All right, I'm now going to um, read the Bible for us. So we've been doing a series in one John, sorry, John chapter 1. So I'm going to continue reading from John chapter 1, reading verses 19 to 42. So John's the fourth book in the New Testament. All right, so John chapter 1, starting at verse 19. Now this was John's testimony when the, Jew, when the Jews of Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Christ. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Finally they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the desert. Make straight the way for the Lord. Now some Pharisees who had been sent questioned him, Why then do you baptise if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptise with water, John replied, but among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. This all happened at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan where John was baptising. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptising with water was that he might be revealed to you. So it might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. I would not have known him except that the one who sent me to baptise with water told me. The man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is he who will baptise with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is the Son of God. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher. Where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying and spent the day with him. It was about the tenth hour. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother and Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Thanks, Nat, and good morning, everyone. Great to be here this morning and great to be together as a family. Everyone's in here together, kids included. Uh, make sure you focus on the screen, kids. I've got some pictures for you. We're, we're thinking about Jesus, who's impressive, uh, in the Jesus Brings series. Uh, I'll show you some other impressive people, see if you think they're impressive or not. Um, so here's the first guy. Kids, you know what this is? This is a plank. Um, I don't know why you would do this. <laughs> Apparently it's meant to be good for your fitness. Uh, you suspend yourself from the elbows to the toes. 
Um, I've given it a go. I think I can do it for a minute and it hurts. And there's a certain age where you shouldn't be doing this, right? And I don't know what age that is. You need to work out that for yourself. This guy has got the world record for the longest plank. Okay. So boys and girls, how, how long do you think he could do this for? It's not actually 15 hours. I think that's minutes. But he can do it for longer. He can do it for eight hours, one minute, and one second. He's a 45-year-old police officer. He's Chinese. Um, and he beat the, world, the, the previous guy who was 54. He collapsed after seven hours. Um, so, you know, if you're, if you're under the age of 54, you should be uh, competing in this event. Uh, here, here's another guy. How long do you reckon, kids, how long do you reckon you could go home? I should, don't try this at home. <laughs> um, get in a cold bath with ice up to the neck. Uh, so he's actually done it in a lake. Uh, he's from Holland. He's known as the Iceman. He's a Dutch daredevil. Uh, he can withstand extreme cold. His name's Wim Hof. And he, he was there for one hour, 13 minutes and 48 seconds. Yes, maybe someone yelled out, idiot. <laughs> um, one last one. This is certainly something not to try at home, kids. Um, a guy tightrope walked across the brink of Niagara Falls. Uh, an incredible feat. So it's actually 600 metres across. A guy by the name of Nicholas Wallander. It took him 25 minutes. Uh, he was the first guy to do it uh, across the brink of Niagara Falls. An incredible um, feat. Some impressive people. Um, but we're talking about someone even more impressive this morning. We're talking about the Lord Jesus. And we're in our series, Jesus Brings. And what we're focusing on this morning is Jesus bringing forgiveness. Uh, Jesus bringing forgiveness to us. How does that compare to the great feats of human history? Forgiveness from God. I want, I want us to see this morning how extraordinarily good forgiveness from God is. How it is the thing that we need in all of the world, from God. If God could give us one thing, if he came into the world to give us one thing that we really, really needed, uh, it's forgiveness from him. It's the one thing we desperately need. It's the one thing that God promises to give us in the Lord Jesus. Now, I don't know what you think about forgiveness. Uh, I think we get how important forgiveness is for each other. Yeah? How precious is it when someone says to you, I forgive you. How, how hard is it when you need to say those words, I forgive you to someone else because you've hurt them? We, we, I think we get how important it is to forgive one another. Uh, Christmas is coming up. Uh, there's an emphasis on family and friends and relationships and gatherings. And for some of us, that's actually not a great thing, is it? Because there's fractured relationships uh, and that's a difficult time for us. But what a difference it would make, even on a human level, to hear those words from someone this Christmas, I forgive you. Or for you to say to someone, what a difference that might make to them, I forgive you. Or please forgive me, I should say. Well, it's even more important when it comes to God 
Uh, forgiveness is the thing that Jesus brings. Forgiveness is the very thing that we need, it, and it comes at great cost uh, to himself. So have a look at John chapter 1. Uh, have it open in front of you. Uh, you might want to look on with someone next to you. Um, part of it is printed in your outline, but you'll need a Bible open to be able to see uh, what we're talking about this morning. We're in John's Gospel. It's a biography of Jesus' life. And Jesus uh, is on view and he's being introduced to us by John the Baptist. Now, there's, there's great interest in John the Baptist. Uh, the religious heavyweights have come down from Jerusalem and they are incredibly interested in John the Baptist. They've come down to check him out. Uh, they're wondering, by what authority are you doing the things that you are doing? Uh, they're curious. John is doing something completely radical. He's baptising Jews. Uh, that was a practice that was set aside for Gentiles, those of the nations, to come into the kingdom of God, uh, to, to be able to enter. It wasn't for God's people, the Jews. Uh, and John is, what, what does John do? He's, he's, he's baptising Jews and he's effectively saying he's casting out Israel to the outside and saying you need to re-enter. You need to come into God's people by being baptised, by repenting. Um, you need to get yourself ready to meet God in the flesh, the person of Jesus, God's son. That is a radical thing for John the Baptist to do. Uh, and the religious leaders want to know, how is it that you can do this? And so they ask, who, who are you? Uh, we, we know about the figures of the Old Testament. Um, the great ones we've been waiting for have been promised to us. Surely you're one of those. And so what do they ask? Are you actually the Messiah? Are you Elijah? Are you the prophet? And John is very clear, isn't he? I'm not the Messiah. I'm not Elijah. I'm not the great prophet to come. Look at what he says in verse 23. Really, really important words. I am the voice of the one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. What is John saying? Make a highway. Get ready to receive God. You know, create the M1, not to connect Sydney to the coast, but to connect people with God. Get ready. Make straight the path for the Lord. And John is picking up words of Isaiah, the prophet. He's, he's, actually, he's making an extraordinary announcement when he says those words. He, he's, he's saying, don't look at me. Uh, listen to what I'm saying. Your Messiah is coming. Uh, your sins are about to be dealt with. A great redemption, a great rescue of God's people was about to take place. And this is really, really good news for the people of Israel. Uh, this, in fact, this is the big moment that Israel sh should have been waiting for. Uh, this is the great moment where uh, they will be forgiven of their sins and restored as God's people. And so when someone says the Messiah is here, there's no wonder there's scrutiny on John's claims and scrutiny upon Jesus. If you're announcing that the Messiah is here, that is a very, very, very big thing. Now see, Isaiah tells us when the Messiah comes, when God's chosen one, when the king, his servant, the saviour, the redeemer, these are all the terms that God uses for his son, when he comes, he will change the world. 
he will change the world forever. Through his work, he will bring a complete transformation uh, of everything. Ultimately, he will bring a new heaven and a new earth. It doesn't get any bigger than that. Uh, so hear what John is saying. Your Messiah is here. This is very good news. This is very big news. Look at what John says in verse 26. I baptise with water. You know, what I'm doing, it's a symbol of repentance. Get ready to enter into the kingdom, meet God. That's what I'm doing. But among you, he says, stands one who you do not yet know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. And look at verse 29. John says, look, I'll show you someone impressive. Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. See, John's testimony is so important. He says, that's who he is. That's who Jesus is. I've seen the Spirit descend on him. Uh, he is God's chosen one. He matches the description of the suffering servant in Isaiah. It, it is him. It is the Messiah. Uh, through his pain, through his death, through his resurrection, he is going to bring forgiveness. He is going to bring a new day, a new era. Uh, he's going to restore the world. He will bring forgiveness of sins. The one standing in your midst, John is saying, is the one spoken of in Isaiah. Spoken of in Isaiah 53. Remember those words? Uh, he will be like a lamb to the slaughter. That's who John is saying is here. The one who will be like a lamb to the slaughter. He will be despised and rejected. He'll be a man of suffering. He'll be pierced for our transgressions. He'll be punished by God. He'll be crushed uh, for our iniquities, broken for our sins. And the, and the end of Isaiah 53 says these beautiful words, by his wounds you will be healed. So a whole lot of people are going to benefit from the suffering servant. Uh, he bore the sin, Isaiah says, not of himself, but of many. Uh, he died but rose to life so that he might see the light of life, but also that he might share that life with all those who trust in him, that everlasting new life. Now, it's no wonder John is excited, isn't it? It's no wonder John's saying, don't look at me. Look over there. There's, there's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Uh, John is working so hard for people to see what a great thing this is. And it's also, it's no wonder that people want to find out about Jesus. Now, we, we have varying responses as we go out into our community about investigating Jesus. But in John chapter 1, if you are saying you're the Messiah, if someone else of good authority points to him and says, you are the one uh, that God has promised, people want to know whether that's true. And you know, John's disciples want to spend time... These are not Jesus' disciples yet. These are John's disciples. They want to spend time with Jesus. And when they spend time with Jesus at the end of chapter 1, they realise you are the Messiah. They've become convinced that he is the one who will take away the sins of the world. He is the great one promised. And so what do they do? They go and grab another brother and say, Come. Come and see. Look, I've found the Messiah. I've found the Great One. 
And that's what you do, isn't it? If you found the Messiah, if you found the one that can forgive you your sins, who will restore the world and promises you a place in it, you would go and grab anyone you could possibly grab and say, I've found the Messiah. This is incredible news. I want to meet this person, you'd say, wouldn't you? If you found the person who opens up relationship with the Father, who's not only bringing a restored world, but actually says to you, come and enjoy it with me. Come and be part of my family. Come and enjoy the banquet on that last day. Come and be my son in the family, who is completely clean, washed of all your sins. That's what Jesus is promising. That's who the Messiah is. Um, He's the one in heaven who's described as the lamb, the slain lamb, the one who suffered for our sins, the one that we will worship in heaven, the one that in heaven we will say, it is only because of him that we are here. Isn't, that is impressive, isn't it? That is a person that you want to meet. That is a person that you want to invite others to come and meet. And... In John chapter 1, when people realise that, they want to tell the world. And that's what Jesus' disciples did. That's what's transformed the world for 2,000 years. That's what transformed so many of us. Forgiveness of sins, entry into God's family, eternal life. Now, as we, as we think about John's account of Jesus 2,000 years ago, the excitement, the commotion, the scrutiny that was going on in John chapter 1... Uh, Let's have a think about how that applies to our world Uh, 2,000 years later. We are approaching Christmas. Now, kids, did you know that it's it's 17 sleeps to Christmas? And do you know what that means? That means you've got 17 days to buy your mum a present. Because I know that's what you were thinking. And Christmas is such a funny time, isn't it? Because Christmas, it's... I think we just get used to what... Christmas in our society is. It's a very big event for a very big shopping centre just down the road. Um, it's, it is about taking some time off and all kinds of things like that. But uh, we forget. It's actually a celebration about someone at the centre. It's about Jesus uh, and someone who actually hardly gets a mention now. And I've been thinking this week, what, what happened across 2,000 years? How did we get to this point? Uh, to hardly recognise the person who's at the very centre, hardly get excited, hardly want to even investigate him or celebrate him or have any joy over him. How do we move from John chapter 1 with such focus and scrutiny, inquiry, excitement, invitation and mission to apathy and even removal of Jesus? Uh, One of my daughters did a survey of her class at school uh, and she asked them, she, she, got, she drew up a poster. At the centre of the poster was, what does Christmas mean to you? And she got the class to write the answers across the poster. Now, I don't know what she was expecting in terms of response, but she said to me, she said, Dad, it was appalling. <laughs> and um, across, she showed me the poster. Across the poster, there is... Um, all these things, uh, so family and friends, giving gifts, being kind, holidays, the beach, multiple times. 
And then right down the bottom left-hand corner of the poster, uh, one boy had written one word, and it was right down the left-hand corner, and it was Jesus. And that's who Christmas is about, right, boys and girls? He's spot on. It should actually be in the centre. And you think to yourself, how could we possibly miss it? Someone has come into the world, God in the flesh, to forgive us our sins, and we've forgotten about him. (laughs) We we don't think that's that exciting. Uh, Actually, I reckon that poster kind of represents what a lot of adults think about Jesus. I, I guess he's got a place, but it's on the outer. He's really not that impressive. Maybe we can tolerate him, but there's surely more important things. And John chapter 1 says to us, no, he's come to take away the sins of the world. That is a big deal. The problem is, I, I don't think we think sin is such a big deal, right? I don't think we think that has to be dealt with. It's, it's surely not that important. I don't think we think it matters all that much. In fact, we try to deal with sin in very unhealthy and ineffective ways, don't we? And uh, there's lots of ways we deal with sin. Um, I thought of, of three. One is that we, we just are filled with shame and guilt. We know something is wrong. Uh, we know that we're not even living up to our own standards. And uh, so many people just guilty, feel guilty, uh, feel shameful for what they've done, know that it's not right, um, whether, they trust, whether they believe that God is there or not. Um, So they sit in that shame and guilt. Secondly, I think some of us try to hide our sin, uh, try to deny it, try to pretend actually it's not that bad, uh, make other people think that we're actually good people. Um, Someone's struggling. (laughs) Hit the button, brother. Uh, And and that's a great tragedy too because it's... It's just not being honest, isn't it? When we're honest with ourselves, we know there's something wrong. We can hide it from others, but we can't hide it from God. Um, so we've, we've got a problem. Well, thirdly, we, we just try and fix it ourselves. Uh, we, we, there's a number of ways you can try to fix it yourself. Very ineffective. Can I outweigh my, my sin with good things? Will that work? Um, can I do religious things to make it go away? Um, but it doesn't work. And so that, that's why the, it's such good news, isn't it, that Jesus actually comes to say, no, no, your sin is real. You need to confess it. I can forgive you. I've done all there is needed to be done. Um, but I think we'd be more impressed if Jesus came to fix poverty or cure cancer but we actually, we actually forget. Sin is, is the biggest problem we have. Sin is actually at the core of all our problems. Sin is serious because it actually separates us from God. Uh, it, it's us saying to God, I don't want to live your way, I want to live my own way. It's us saying to God, I love your world, I'm happy to enjoy your world, I just don't want you. And, Jesus, and God, in his great mercy and kindness, puts up with us as rebels, but only for a time. The Bible makes very clear that uh, there's coming a day where God will judge us uh, for the way we've treated him. And unless 
sin is dealt with, unless we are forgiven, we will, we will not enter in to that great new world. In fact, there can be no restoration. There can be no family of God, no people of God, no new heavens, no, no new earth, unless sin is dealt with. And that's what makes Jesus' work so great. I reckon the extent to which you think sin is serious and needs to be dealt with is the extent to which you'll investigate Jesus who offers forgiveness and can, and can give it freely. Um, I think that works with uh, cancer, doesn't it? If you really believe that cancer is terrible and, and you realise how awful it is, how excited will you be when one day they find a cure? Uh, won't you be seeking that cure? Uh, if you've been told you have cancer by someone qualified and reputable and there's evidence that you actually have cancer, uh, well, if you believe that, you'll reach out for the cure and you'll be treated. Uh, I think it's the same for our sin, isn't it? If you realise that your sickness is sin and it is real and it is incredibly serious, uh, that actually prevents us from entering in relationship with God we will seek Jesus out and get that cure the forgiveness of sin so what does what does God do when he comes into our world John chapter 1 has told us from the beginning the word became flesh uh, he he is the light of the world what does he do when he comes into our world he gives us what we need we need the forgiveness of our sins he achieves it at the cross uh, he carries our judgment he bears the penalty of our sins so that we might be forgiven and now risen he's giving out forgiveness of sins to anyone and everyone uh, who will call upon him isn't that great news now as we finish um, I've got a prayer for us boys and girls you can join in on this prayer and it's a very simple prayer in fact there's two things we're going to do as we finish one is respond to God uh, we're going to talk to God uh, some of us actually need to take up this offer from God and be forgiven. But it's actually a great prayer for all of us to pray. It's a very simple prayer. Uh, it's the prayer of saying sorry to God for my sin. It's the prayer of saying thank you for sending Jesus to forgive me. And then it's the prayer of saying please help me to live with Jesus as my king. I think that's, that's a lovely prayer for us to pray as a church family. It's a lovely prayer for kids to pray. But it's actually the prayer of every Christian, isn't it? Um, please forgive me. Thank you for sending Jesus. Please help me to live your way from this time on. But you, you might be praying that for the first time this morning because you, you realise I need to be forgiven. Let me encourage you to pray it. But secondly, before we pray, if you are convinced that sin is serious, if you are convinced that Jesus is the Messiah, then the most natural thing for you to do is to invite other people, isn't it? Uh, and the extent to which you think it's serious, the extent to which you know that Jesus is the Messiah, here is the answer, is the extent to which you'll actually invite others to, to come and check out Jesus. So let me encourage you to do that this Christmas. Lots of opportunities uh, for us to do it over summer. So let's keep doing that. Let's keep encouraging each other to do that. But let's finish now uh, together by praying. So let's pray. Our great Heavenly Father, we are sorry for our sin. Uh, we have sinned against you. 
Uh, we haven't always pleased you in so many ways. Thank you. Thank you so much for sending Jesus uh, to die for us. Thank you that he now offers us forgiveness. Uh, thank you for the clean slate. Uh, thank you for washing us, for looking upon us as one of your sons in your kingdom, of welcoming us into your family. We thank you so much. And Lord, please help us now as one in your family, as a forgiven one, as a child of yours, uh, to keep looking to you as our king uh, and living your way. And we pray it for Jesus' sake. Amen.